Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Right now, it's started. It is started. Welcome to episode... What What episode are we on? 11? Welcome to episode 11 of no the Girl on Girl podcast. Yeah, it's 11. Wow, lucky number 11. 11, 11, <laughs> make a wish. Is 11 a lucky number? I thought it was lucky number 13. I always thought 13 was unlucky. Well, you're unlucky. Very superstitious. <laughs> Writing's on the, the wall. wall. <laughs> I know I'm pretty unlucky I think unlucky in life just kidding I'm not no we're both super lucky to have each other in this world we really are we actually are how are you um good today was a busy day but here I am drinking a glass of red with my bae ready to talk about oh I didn't babe you can leave you can leave the room I'm I'm talking to Sarah excuse me what just happened (laughs) nothing when you said you were drinking a glass of red with Bay, yeah, I just assumed you meant y- me. You, no, no. So who's in the room with you over there? Show yourself. Oh no, honestly, she's she's back there. Do you see her? Persis <laughs> <laughs> is pointing to a half naked photo of Brittany, and that really is your Bay before me, before anyone else, including Sarah, <laughs> the OG. <laughs> Including Sarah, it's it's Brittany. Persis got vaccinated yesterday. I did. Pfizer, Pfizer, Pfizer. So now we can kith. Now we can finally kith. It's been finally. Kith. I haven't got vaccinated, but we could we could still kith. <laughs> yeah, but there's a chance that you could get COVID from me if I have COVID and kiss you. You could don't have to kiss me on the lips. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh my god, Sarah! Princess, I'm just saying. I know you're right, but like, not this isn't public information. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say this isn't appropriate for the podcast. I'm like, we've talked about much worse than that. It's appropriate for the podcast, but not appropriate for my heart. I'm sorry. I know I've broken your heart, but I don't want to break your heart. I want to give your heart a break. <gasps> So I don't know if we've talked about this, but Give Your Heart a Break by Demi Lovato was Persis' sexual awakening. It was just the first time that she watched, she saw a woman and was like, oh my God, I really, really am attracted to her. Yeah, I, I don't think we've talked about this on the pod yet, but it definitely was. It was the first time I'd seen a woman and thought, I actually want to date her. Not that I'm I'm even just attracted to her. Like, mm. I remember having those feelings of being like, I want to date you. Like, I want to go on dates with you. Weird, right? No, not weird. Because, like, <laughs> no, no. I didn't mean it like that. Guys, anyone <laughs> listening, it's not weird. 
<laughs> no, sorry. Guys, it's been a long day. I'm sorry. I yeah, mean... yeah, it has. It has been a long day. I Anything don't mean... Persa says in this episode, just disregard. I don't mean weird. I think just like, because I didn't know Demi, but yeah. I also was like, why do I want to date Demi? And I was 15. Well, yeah, but how, I mean, how many times did I listen to Aaron Carter, Aaron's party come get it and wish that I was at the party as Aaron's girlfriend? Right. Right. I wasn't even watching the music video. I was just listening to the song on my CD player being like, why am I not at the party? Like, who were the boys that everyone was crushing on? I definitely crushed on Troy Bolton. Oh, from uh, High School Musical. Yeah. Um, Zach Efron. <laughs> Zach Efron. <laughs> I don't know. Why did I call him Troy Bolton? I know his name's Zach Efron, but I was just thinking about like the character. Troy Bolton. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't, like, who else, what other boys were people crushing on? I guess Justin Bieber, but I never understood that one. I never understood the Biebs. I know, no offense to the Biebs. Oh, my goodness. I think he's we a actually, gem. We, we love the Biebs, yeah. Yeah, love, love the Biebs. I never crushed on if him. If you want to come on the pod. Yeah. Come on the pod. My best friend Jasmine, she'll really love this shout out because she listens to the pod. She was a believer through and through. She had, like, a bedspread with his face on it and then a full-sized body pillow with his face on it so like she slept with him every night and for a while i don't know if you guys remember for those of you living in canada shoppers drug mart for a bit had this like full-size justin bieber cardboard cutout because he had this he had this perfume that he was selling at shoppers drug marts which for anyone who doesn't live in canada it's just like a pharmacy it's like a walgreens at in the states anyway so my friend justin and i decided one day to cheer Jasmine up because she had just got her tonsils removed, we were going to steal the Justin Bieber cutout from the shopper's drug mart. So we devised this whole plan. I went in and like distracted the pharmacist and then <laughs> Justin ran in after me and grabbed the, <laughs> grabbed the cutout and we ran to his little car and we drove the cutout to Jasmine's house and we like knocked on her door and she came out and we were like, Justin! And she was so happy and she put the cardboard cutout in her room. And then the next day, a friend of ours, their brother worked at the Shoppers Drug Mart and he sent a message to us being like, <gasps> they, they caught you on camera. We had to bring it back because they were gonna, they knew who it was, they identified us and they were going to like press charges if we didn't bring back the stolen property. So we had to go back to Jasmine's, take back the Justin Bieber cutout that had made her so happy. And then it was like middle of the day, middle of the afternoon, Justin, my friend, not Justin Bieber, had to carry the Justin Bieber cutout across the parking lot, like in the just broad daylight. <laughs> And like the manager was waiting at the door and he just had just had to like <gasps> set, set the Justin Bieber cutout down. I just waited in the car and pretended like I had nothing to do with it. But yeah, um, that's how much that we respect the Biebs. And respect Jasmine. Oh, well, I think I respect Jasmine more than the Biebs. <laughs> I think, I think. I think maybe, maybe. Anyway, did you like that story? I did. I remember you telling me about that, but I forgot about, I didn't remember the uh, message being like, you need to return this or you're going to get charges against you. We, we I'm not getting didn't. charges for a cardboard cutout of Bieber. I'm sorry. You could have gotten arrested and we never would have met. Yeah, but I'm a bad girl. You really are. You would have been on like the documentary of, um, what is it on Netflix where they like feature the women in jail? Oh yeah. It's like killer, killer girls or something. <laughs> Don't quote girls, us on that. Girls who kill. <laughs> and you'd be like, 
Oh, yeah. Remember when I told you I watched like Girls Who Kill with Pierce Morgan or something? And you were like, what are you watching? And I was like, it's like women killers or something. Okay, let's jump into this episode because this is a great topic. We're super excited to talk about it. But first, I wanted to mention that we had such a great response to Catherine's story that she shared with us in the last episode. If you didn't hear it, we had our very first mailbag. So one of our listeners, Catherine, she felt called to send us a voice note of her telling her story, basically. And it was um, a really cool perspective. And... We got a lot of people just saying that they were inspired by her story and we actually had multiple people reach out to us with their story saying explicitly, I was inspired by Catherine to share my story with you. So best case scenario, like all we wanted was to inspire people to think more about their story or to possibly share it. So we have a bunch of those stories coming up, including one in this episode, which we're super excited about. Yeah, very excited. Very grateful as well. So, so grateful. Um... And then another cool thing, we were talking to Catherine about just the response that she was getting personally. Like she shared the podcast with kind of her friends and family in her network. And she said that the podcast did some of the coming out work for me. So she was like kind of out, not fully out kind of thing, like just kind of being and being herself. And this, the response that she received was so positive. So like everyone was just so proud of her. Everyone was so inspired by her and her life. And it was, she didn't expect that. Like she didn't expect there to be such an outpouring of um, support. And she felt, she truly felt like sharing her story on the pod was just a notch, another notch of like coming out for her. I think that's How amazing. Cool is that? I think that's actually incredible. I feel like for us, because like I said, there's so many things we just didn't expect to come out of this podcast. And I'm forever grateful that we're reaching people who are actually able to resonate and it helps them throughout the way. So if we could have helped you with some of the work, <laughs> like that's like, I couldn't be happier. And for us to be that outlet for you, because that's what we want as well. Like we just want you to feel comfortable and we want you to feel if you need to open up in a different type of way than how you maybe normally would have, you know, sit down, have the conversation. There's so many different ways to do that. And I think like us being a part of that to help her, I, I have no words. Like I'm just very happy. Yeah, I'm honored. I like the way you worded that do the work because I think for a lot of people, the process of discovering your sexuality and or coming out is sometimes work. Like it's, it's emotional and, and mental effort. Um, and so Catherine, thank you again for sharing your story. And we're happy that you have, uh, been able to do some of the work with us. And then the last little piece of housekeeping that we wanted to mention was that we got mentioned in Auto Straddle magazine purse. So exciting. And actually, can we say, you know, Catherine sent that, sent that to us. I didn't know. Catherine was like, you guys probably already know this, but in case you didn't, you got this mentioned. And um, yeah, Auto Straddle kind of like does a roundup of, of news in the queer world um, when they post articles and stuff. And they just gave us a little mention um, talking about our episode with Umberly. So thank you, Auto Straddle. Uh, we love you. We and love you. Also, we just, we haven't been mentioned in a magazine before. Like, I feel like, should I start preparing my autograph or what should I do? Oh, I already started preparing this morning. Okay. So how do you prepare for that? I wrote, I wrote my name a bunch of times on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how. And then I started signing everything in the apartment. Oh, okay. So Camille knows when I become famous. She can sell everything and make she, make bank. Yeah. 
make bang, I'm really doing her a favor. I'm, I'm, I wasn't even thinking about me. I'm thinking about her. But if you guys did miss our episode with I'm Really, you can check it out. It's episode five. That's right, baby. And that's it. That's all like the little intro shit we wanted to talk about. And now let's jump into this episode. Purse, what are we talking about today? So today, Sarah and I are going to talk about what are the differences between queer relationships and straight relationships? Because, you know, if you entered this pod for the first time, my name is Persis. I'm a queer woman who's experienced queer relationships, but also some straight relationships. We got Sarah, who is a straight woman who has experienced straight relationships. So we are going to talk about the differences because there are some differences. mm, 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 mm. Give the listeners just a very brief, brief summary of your dating relationship history. You've dated both men and women and... Have you been in long-term relationships? Have you not? Have you What kind of relationships have you experienced? Just a little summary. Throughout my life, I had definitely didn't experience any like long-term relationships, especially in my teens. A lot of it, I was figuring out my sexuality. There were so many factors that I realized later on where I was like, okay, this all led up to who I was now and it all made sense, but I was still trying to do the work. So I've been in a lot of situationships. I would say the longest relationship with a man, it was like maybe just short of three months where we were only seeing each other. That was like my first experience with that. And I think I was 19, 19. I was 19. I can dive into like maybe a little bit about how I felt with that. I think because that was the first time I was seeing someone a little bit more like exclusively and I was really excited. It was like a very like, you know, he was like my my person in that moment of time, which is really, really hilarious to look back at now because... (laughs) times have changed for anyone who is like an avid listener of this pod who we're talking about is nicknamed billy bobby i was gonna see bobby yeah okay so in case you've like been really listening and you know the name bobby that's who we're talking about okay continue yes so bobby was definitely experienced and i definitely could tell you i was very emotionally invested in bobby For sure. There were definitely so, I was just very excited because I think it was just like a very, it was like a first for me. I was just so excited about Bobby, but there were always things that I was like, I knew that I was missing like sexually with him, but also at the same time, everything was new. And I was like open to trying things that I was like, you know, still going to figure it out. I don't even know myself Um, yet. Anyway. So Yeah, there were definitely times when I was with him where I still felt like something was kind of just missing. I didn't – actually, Sarah, what's really interesting is that I never really had that sexual drive with him. I remember there was actually even a moment where you and I were literally chilling and watching a movie. I don't even know if I ever told you this, but Bobby messaged me being like he was really excited because he was supposed to come over like the next day or something. He had come home early from London or – Maybe he was Kingston. I don't know. He was somewhere. He was like away. And then he was like, hey, I'm actually in Toronto, like right now. Like, can I come over? Like, I want to see you. And I straight up. Well, I did say no. And it wasn't even because I said I was also watching a movie with you, but like I could have told him to come later because he also like had a friend that was down there. And I remember clicking in my head, like, why don't I want to see him right now? Like, I'm not feeling that like. Like, I kind of want to just, like, be alone in my bed tonight. Totally. You know? Yeah, so I was, mean, that your body's telling you something in those moments. So then anyway, 
that happened. And I remember he was being really weird with me. He was like, why? And I was like, oh, I'm with Sarah watching a movie. And he's like, oh, but yeah, you, just I'll- blame it on me. Always blame it on me. That's, that's the golden rule. But he was like, oh, I can just come later. He's like, I'll hang out with, I'm not going to give this guy's name. I'll hang out with uh, Adam until I, like, and then I, I'll just come over later. Because Adam also didn't live that far from us. And I just remember being like, oh, but I, I have like a really early morning. I made up some excuse. And then I remember it just got weird. And then I was like, oh, no. Okay. Anyway, I won't go into it for too long. (laughs) I think that's important. Like you've, you've experienced both. Your relationships with women have been like also kind of like shorter relationships, but off and on and dating and stuff like that. Well, post Bobby, like after that all ended, he dumped me. Probably, you know what? Understand. You know what? Fine. Dump me. (laughs) Dump me, my dude. Um, I mean, you didn't want to see him anymore, so it's kind of fair. <laughs> I still cried. <laughs> yeah, and you threw some stuff. <laughs> Broke some glass. Yeah, that was a fun Dance to side some of Britney. Me. Dance to some Britney, it was fine. No, but mm-hmm. uh, you know what? That's what's kind of interesting, though, Sarah, is like I was really still emotionally into him. So I think that's where it kind of, to me, the whole like sex aspect or the sexual aspect wasn't like the make or break of Bobby. It was like, I actually really did like him and I liked spending time with him and I liked kissing him and stuff. It's just, it would only get to a certain point where I was like, oh, I don't know, like something's, something's missing. And then I thought maybe I'm just like not ready. I don't know. But anyway, Bobby's done. Then once we kind of start, I was still going on like dates with guys, but everything was very short term. I think post Bobby, I wasn't really seeing anyone consistently. Maybe if I was like starting to see someone, it would be like a few dates and then it would just end. And it was always guys. And then getting into women really quickly, the first time I'd experienced real like uh, intimacy with a woman, because I didn't experience any intimacy with the girl I had a crush on in high school. It was all very like puppy love and cute. We'd make out here and there, but that was it. After I experienced intimacy for the first time with a woman, like sleeping with a woman, I was 21. And it was like my world opened up. Like Sarah could probably see it. I had never felt those types of like butterflies or that excitement of always like wanting someone. Like I remember um, after it happened, I remember just like, just the next day waking up being like, I want to see her like again. And I want to see her all the time. And I kind of became like very consumed. To say the least. So, and I think Sarah, from Sarah's perspective, she had seen me with Bobby. She had seen me maybe going on like dates with guys. And then I think when I became really infatuated with this girl, I don't know if it clicked into you. I think you were probably just excited for me that I like was experiencing something with a woman because I still identified as bi. But you probably were like putting two and two together to be like, okay, she's like, there's something, I don't know, like something's going on. And I still didn't know either. but. I just noticed like when I compared the two, because then after this woman who I'd slept with for the first time, I was going on dates with guys, but then I'd have like a fling with a girl again. And then I'd find myself again being kind of similar to what happened with the first girl. Like nothing compared. Like my relationships with these men or situationships, I should say, because they were never committed. It was like very much like casual. It didn't compare. Like clearly more excited about the the women that you were seeing, um, without a doubt. And also, this might be a hot take, but this is how I feel. I 
I just I just feel like sometimes there's a lot of emphasis on like when we're talking about our our dating history being like, well, that wasn't really a relationship because it was it was casual or short term. And just when I'm not everyone feels this way, but I feel that no matter what, how long, even if it's just a night or like a few dates or whatever, I feel like all of those moments you've had with another person in a romantic way are their own little relationships. Like, yeah, it it can be short term, it can be long term, but I feel like, I don't know. I like to look at all of them as relationships personally, um, just because I feel like we look at the word relationship and for some reason it means something bigger. But for me, it's just like I had a relationship with that person. We have we had some sort of relationship going on, whether it was short or long, whether it was um, committed or not. So, or no, monogamous right. or not. <clears throat> and everyone has, you. everyone has different opinions about that. But I feel like I put a lot of emphasis when I was growing up on like, I need to have a long-term relationship and Mm -hmm. I just feel like now looking back at my dating history, I've had all these, I'm so grateful to have had all these relationships, most of them being short-term, very short-term, some of them, and still they just feel like relationships to me. It's like a moment in time with with someone And and it doesn't matter how long it lasted or whether it was, you know, monogamous or not, it still felt like a relationship I was having with a person. No, I think that's important because I would do the same thing. I think I would also downplay a lot of situations because I'd be like, yeah, oh, but I was like, oh, but I wasn't really like, we weren't like in a relationship. But then I'm like, no, but we were. There was real emotions. There was, even if there's not always consistency, it's like this type of thing you have with someone that you're like, no, this is affecting me. Totally. And and even if it's not affecting you, even if it's just a sexual relationship, that's yep. a relationship too. Like you're yep. like human beings have relationships. I have a relationship with Persis. It's it's like a deep friendship and uh, <laughs> that's it. And that's all. Sometimes like if we're talking about relationships with our parents, for example, like that's, we describe that as a relationship. But we don't put all this emphasis on it. We're talking about what the context of our time spent with that person is so this might be a tangent but I just I feel very passionately about this and just quick very quick recap of my dating history so I identify as straight I've only ever dated men or people who identify as men in the moment that I was dating them Um, and I see them all as relationships no matter how short they were because pretty much all of them have been fairly short term I had like a bit of a longer term boyfriend in high school. Anyway, yeah. And then now I'm in a more committed relationship, long-term relationship. Never dated a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we both have a lot to talk about when it comes to comparing queer relationships and straight relationships. But because we wanted to get some other opinions, we also kind of polled our queer friends and our straight friends to see what they thought about this, these differences between queer and straight relationships. And so we kind of got everyone's opinion and there were a few things that kept coming up. So one of the first things that we kind of talked about when we were thinking about the differences between queer and straight relationships is this stereotype that queer people tend to stay friends with their exes after they break up. And this is a really common trope for women-loving women relationships that, per- that Persis has pointed out many times and that I've seen Persis exhibiting this behavior as well. So we actually did a poll on our story on the Girl on Girl Instagram And we asked, do you stay friends with your exes? 21 people said, um, no. And seven people said, usually. So yeah, 75% of people said they do not stay friends with their exes. And I I looked and 
I did like a little creeping and quite a few of these people who said no actually do um, identify as queer um, from their like social media presences. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. Not all, not all of them, but maybe like half or less. The thing is, is that it, it really depends. Because I think what I was even trying to tell you too is that I feel like in my experiences personally, and this is just me, so someone else could totally be like, I don't agree with this, but this is just my own experience, like my own life. There's no one who I look back on, any of my exes, that I would have a reason to be like, I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. There is one person in particular I am thinking of who were not, were, were friendly, but I wouldn't say we're friends. But nothing against her, or I don't think she has anything against me. It's just that I just don't think we saw a reason to be because it, it's interesting. She, she, I remember her even telling me, like, I just don't think we should be friends for, like, the reason she's in a new relationship. And she just felt like that wouldn't be, um, that wouldn't be the right thing to do. But other people, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll be friends with you. It's not like we're going to be besties. Um, especially depending on what the situation was and how deep it was, but we're still like amicable and we're still probably keep up with each other. But I feel like in your situations, a lot of times, Sarah, you're like, I don't talk to this person, any of your exes. I don't think there's anyone I could tell you that you talk to anymore. No, I like cut ties, but uh, yeah, it obviously, all of these stereotypes we're going to talk about depend on the people, but of course there's straight people who have stayed friends with their exes, but it's much less common and I think that I think especially like for for women there's already such like a camaraderie that happens between women like where growing up you like women have female friends and like I mean I guess that's true for men as well well I think this the stereotype is true for male for gay relationships between a man and a man and gay relationships between a woman and a woman is that like you're so used to being friends with the same gender when you're growing up because that's what's kind of forced upon you. Like, it's weird. As a girl growing up, society thinks it's weird if you, like, only hang out with the boys. So you have to be friends with the girls and vice versa for men. So I feel like because there's already, like, a sense of friendship that's so ingrained, maybe that's why it feels easier to stay friends with, for example, with girls you've dated. Or even even acquaintances feels weird to me. Like, I wouldn't – sure, I might check in on an ex, but I wouldn't be like, hey, let's FaceTime and, like, catch up like you do. So <laughs> no shade, but um, okay. yeah, I, I think it's the exact same thing as like, you know, when you're feeling vibes with a girl, but you're like, I don't know if we're just friends or if there's something more, it's that same thing that makes you stay friends afterwards. It's like when you're a person who identifies as a gender and you're attracted to the same gender, like you're always wondering, are we friends or are we more? Oh Do you get God. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So then that's why that's why it's so much easier to stay friends after because I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's less common for men and women to be friends because of society and weirdness. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say men and women can't be friends. Like straight women and straight men can't yes. be friends. Oh my God. So, I mean, I, I know. I know it's such a society thing, but I love that point that you actually did bring up because I've experienced this like a bunch of um, being really attracted to a woman, but then thinking, I don't know, like we could just be really good friends and she could just be a really charismatic personality and I can be charismatic with her too and we could maybe flirt. 
but who knows if she's just saying that because she's that's her personality but you're right then we maybe already have that type of rapport where maybe if like it doesn't work out we can still be like oh but we still got along like so well before so like let's just be friends you've had that happen with i would say most of <laughs> your girls that you've dated you've like not stayed best obviously not besties but like you've stayed in touch you're friendly yeah but you're also just a friendly person and listen the poll does not lie the poll says that most people don't stay friends with your exes so maybe you're just like overly friendly no 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 i but the, but I, the way i define like staying friends like I could confidently tell you, Sarah, I don't know. I'm friendly. I don't think I'm like friends with like, do you think I'm like friends with any of my exes? Like friends. Yes. Friends. Who? Even you, it was just recently that you like stopped being friends with her because she was like flying off the fucking rails. You were friends with like hang out with you still. Right. You're right. But I'm talking about present me right now. I'm not talking about present Persis. I'm talking about Persis as a whole in her whole dating history. And you've stayed friends with, with girls after you dated them. And, mm-hmm. and guys, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, if this one is true, but I mean, I think it is a stereotype. I've been guilty of like still staying friends with an ex when I've maybe still had feelings. For sure. Because I still, but I still like respect like whatever's going on it's just that it's that feeling of like you don't maybe know if they're like feelings feelings but you're like I still want to have this person in my life but I think um then when you fast forward and you can kind of let something go it's like that distance can just like naturally happen sometimes so maybe that's what it is too maybe maybe for me at least and I'm trying to learn from that because I don't think that's very healthy at least in the situations I had in the past that wasn't healthy for me because I still had feelings I think it's fine if you you can be friends with someone if you you did let go of those feelings, which I think in the past, I needed that time to let it go and I didn't. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I don't stay friends with exes is because I am actually really good at letting go of emotions, which is a flaw and a benefit, but I'm able to just like stop something and then move on with my life and not go back to it and not think about it. But if I decided to stay friends with that person or continue to see them all the time, a la, for example, like like then things got more complicated, things stayed around longer, feelings stayed around longer than they would have if I just like didn't stay friends with them, didn't see them ever, cut them off, bye-bye, onto my life, then I'm much better at that. So that's why obviously people can stay friends with their exes and it works but for me I just I can't imagine like once I have those feelings I can't imagine not really having those feelings and just staying friends and actually being friends no and it's hard right and I yeah I'll fully admit um I have definitely had feelings for someone while still staying friends with them um which Mm -hmm. yeah I have and I think I definitely tried to mask them and I mean it's one of those things where in the moment, I'm very much like if I'm in the moment and I'm happy and I'm like loving these feelings in the moment, sure. I think it just kind of comes down to when I get into my head later where I'm like, okay, I think I'm kidding myself a little bit. Like I need to have a bit of a reality check to be like, is this, not that I'm, am I doing it for the right reason? That's not what I mean. But I think like, I think this is where I'd sometimes confuse, is this person actually a good friend for me? Or is this just someone who I like and I enjoy being around them because I like them? Not like, you know, it's not going to work out with them, but what do they actually bring value to in my life to actually be like, I can be a friend of this person, 
you know? Which is why, actually, interestingly enough, when I had a FaceTime hang with an ex, there were definitely a lot of ups and downs in that situation, but she was actually someone who I could look at and be like, because we don't have feelings for each other anymore, I could actually kind of see how we could be friends, genuinely. No romantic situations involved. It's like, oh no, you're, you're not like a nice person. You know, you're a good person. We just never would have worked. And that's it. And that's how I look at it, you know? But sometimes you need, you need the rosy glasses on. Rosy? Rose? What is it? Rose-colored glasses. You need the rose-colored glasses off to see that because there's another person who I could think of now who I'd be like, I don't have the rose-colored glasses on. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd be your friend. You know what I mean? So it's interesting. It's, I think that's something I need to work on. I think it comes down to the person. I think when, if someone is like, you just look at them as a person and you're like, okay, I could see that if we could just be friends. There's no, no emotional ties that's going to hurt me or the other person later. But girls Amen. have that rapport. Girls do have that rapport though. I think that's why sometimes it's easier. Girls, at least in my experiences, girls sometimes have a harder time like letting go because I've been there because you still have that like instant kind of like you brought up before in the beginning, like that instant connection that could be friendship first. And then maybe it develops into lovers or romance, but then you can go back to that as well. Yeah. You know? Totes. Yeah. It's totally. interesting. It's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. I've never experienced it, but I could picture it, how that would be. You could literally put, Sarah's going to laugh because like she, you could probably list these people. But if you put all those people <laughs> we're thinking of in a room of my exes in a room, Mm -hmm. I could be, I could be chill with them. All good. We could all have a dinner party. Let's invite them over. 100%. Oh yeah. That's what, that's what I feel is I've never experienced that. I've never experienced that. I don't think I would be, if you put all of mine in a room, it would be the most awkward scenario of my entire life. And I would probably combust. Where it's like, if it was with me and all these girls, we would all be talking to each other about our new experiences They'd be telling me about something. I'd be telling about something else. Even the FaceTime hang I had with an ex, we talked the entire time about a situation she was in and I was giving her advice. Isn't that funny? It's like you could go from sleeping with someone to, hey, I really hope you're doing well. What's going on with your love life? Like, let me help you, girl. Like, what is up? It's just funny. And I loved it. I was like, I got you. I have your back. And I like that relationship with her better than us ever being involved with each other. Good. That's good. That's really good news. <laughs> and no, don't get me wrong. I also know like those situations weren't good and they were toxic, but I think it's like when you can eventually let go of the romantic feelings, like genuinely the romantic feelings are gone. You can look at it in a situation where it's like, I can actually be friends with this person and not be like a toxic situation. But that's also my personality. I think sometimes like I, I just do that. I feel like but it, I have to get over the feelings. That's something I need to conquer. And then when I do, I'm okay. When I don't, then that's when it's like an issue. Another stereotype or another difference between queer relationships and straight relationships is moving really fast. So I actually didn't know about this until like maybe a few years ago. Like just recently, Persis was telling me about the term U-Haul, which what does it mean? It means just like lesbians who move in really quick. Yeah, it's it's like that joke where it's like, you meet a girl and also it can be kind of rare sometimes like when you meet another woman who's like into women and then you're into each other and you're kind of like it's it's like there's this tiktok where it's like oh you're gay oh you're gay me too me too i don't know it's cute and you kind of just like 
become each other's person right away. So there's that, like, I got to lock her in. She's like, so my type, I'm her type. Mm. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're in this. So we're moving in. Yeah. Yeah. We're moving in. So you're basically moving in on like the fourth date, third or fourth date. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, gay men who are listening, but I feel like this is also a bit of a common thing in gay relationships between two men as well. But for straight relationships, like they can just move painfully slow. Like neither side wants to make the first move or like tell each other how they're feeling or, you know, like commit. Everyone's always like, who's going to commit? Are you going to commit? And so we asked a few friends about this, both straight and queer representing, and everyone kind of had the same thought about this core difference between queer and straight relationships. And it was that women stereotypically are more in tune with their emotions Um, and potentially even queer people, I think, like as a whole are whether they're whether they identify as female, male, or non-binary, are just more in tune with their emotions. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about with Kyle, which was like queer people are more emotional because they've had to really like do a deep dive into their themselves more than straight people had to at a younger age. So they were just, they were really trying to figure out their emotions on a, just a deeper level than someone who was straight had to because women and queer people are more in tune with their emotions, they're more likely to express how they're feeling and dive into a deep relationship really quickly. Because kind of like you said, right, it's really, I feel like it's much easier for a woman to be like, that's my person. I want her. I want to like be with her. Um, And to express that, it's a lot more difficult for straight men. Um, And honestly, straight women. Sarah, yes. (laughs) No, for sure, because I can... Well, I even see that with, with you. When you start dating a girl that you really like, like, it's fast. It's It sometimes feels almost instant, like, and you feel comfortable a lot of times to express that to them, and same with them to you. Not like that with straight relationships. Like, there is a waiting period. And I've noticed this in myself, um, which I actually think I can relate to with Kyle, because I repressed so many feelings for so many years never expressed to Alice that I liked her ever until I literally came out with my bisexual video in when I was 23. So that was many years. She didn't know. She literally told me she had no idea I liked her. <laughs> LOL. Isn't that LOL. Funny? It was pretty funny. <laughs> so I repressed these feelings for years, but so I kind of relate to that. I think I became so in tune with my emotions and also the excitement of actually feeling what I was supposed to be feeling or what I thought I was supposed to be feeling, because it's different for everyone. I was like, um, I don't know how to, like, what's the cartoon I'm thinking of? Um, What's the Bugs Bunny cartoon? Like Roadrunner? Yes, yes, like Roadrunner. Your heart is Roadrunner? Yeah, especially when I, in the early stages, when I was like 18, 19, you know, meeting these women, it was like, and I think sometimes for Sarah, she was like, oh my God, I'm just speaking for you because I think it was just like, a lot for you to see me just so um, into these people. And maybe it was just like very intense, but I think when you look back at it, it could make sense because I didn't, ex- I didn't experience that stuff before. So then my heart was just like, I can't control like all these emotions. Like I'm going full speed ahead, but. It makes perfect sense. Absolutely. And also once again, going back to like the type of people we are, I, Um, I know we're saying that women are typically more in tune with their emotions. I'm a woman who is not very in tune with my emotions. I've never really been able to 
to be open about my emotions or to actually even feel my emotions on on any sort of deep level so for me to see you so like just really feeling things that that was actually kind of new for me like it, it was hard for me to understand just that on a base level because of how I how I deal with my emotions is so different we're but, very different in that sense <laughs> yeah we are but I think there's like good parts to that and bad parts to that but I also think that I just really love that insight that Kyle gave us because I think that makes so much sense with how queer relationships are just just that notch different than straight relationships there's a there's a deeper emotion there that you can tap into um and most of the time it's because you were suppressing emotions for so many years or you were having to dig deeper um like by yourself not even telling anyone about it but just trying to figure out your emotions so intensely, right? Like thinking about them all the time, being like, why am I not feeling them? Or why am I feeling them, you know? Whereas I I didn't really, a little bit, but I didn't have to worry about that too much. Honestly, an insecurity of mine for a little bit was like my intense emotions because, Aww. no, 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 for sure, for sure. Because I was telling, and I don't, I don't mean any like, um, I'm not mad about it because honestly, I'm very, like grateful that I feel very deeply. I was having a convo with my mom about this actually. Shout out Rennie. Rennie. Um, because she, Momager. Momager Rennie. We have like the best chats and I, I, we open up to each other about things I never would have ever imagined her and I opening up to each other about, yeah. at least me to her. But she's so lovely and she can really listen to me and she's even she knows how um, into like love I am. I'm such a romantic. I'm very passionate. I'm very intense. And I think a lot of it is my Scorpio moon. I'm very, uh, we're very intense people, but I'm not, I used to look at it as a downfall because I had an ex tell me I was very intense. And I was like, what? (laughs) She was like, she didn't, she was like, no, no, no. I don't mean it in a bad way, but I just mean that like, when you like someone, you are like, I like you. And she said, she said it in a nice way where she was just like, I'm just saying, I just want you to meet someone who's like there with you, you know, not like you're putting all this energy into someone who can't give that to you. And she's like, it's not a bad thing. She's like, <laughs> I don't want to like say who it is, but basically she told me because her English wasn't like fully there. She's like, maybe, maybe it came off wrong when I told you I meant like you were intense. I just mean that you, you feel deeply and that's not a bad thing. And I was like, yeah. For sure I do. But then I also got a little insecure about that because I was like, oh my God, I don't want to like scare people because I maybe feel deeply. But then I looked at that and I was like, no, I don't think that's, I think that's something I should own. I just need to be um, aware of who I give it to. And then I need to also learn to protect myself because I've also had a pattern of opening up very quickly to people who maybe weren't deserving of that. And then I get hurt in the process because they were like, oh my God, like, I'm sorry, but I'm just, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready. I'm not into women. I'm this. And then I'm sitting there. Always some sort of excuse. And a lot of it was, I'm not really into women where I was like, I'm in, I want to be with women, woman. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be with woman. So that should be the tagline of this podcast. In capital letters, P's. (laughs) breakdown guys we're gonna make merch and it's just gonna be a t-shirt that says in big block letters i want to be with woman but actually i would actually buy that but yeah long story short just wanted to say like i used to look at like my intense emotions as something as a negative but now i'm 
happy I do because it's a part of me and I like it. And I, and I like that. I, I do like that. I open up to people right away or that I open up. I have those convos. I think that's important and vulner vulnerability is important. Totally. I, I think it's great. And I really love that you went on that journey of being insecure about it and then accepting it and loving it. Because I mean, we all go through those journeys with things about ourselves where we're not sure. And then finally we come out on the other side and we're like, no, it's kind of awesome that I'm this way. Mm -hmm. Um, and everyone wants what they don't have. Right. Like I, I have also been insecure about my lack of, um, emotion and feeling like it made me a bad person or made me cold or made me, um, I don't know, you know, just, just no fun to be around. And I've come out on the other side and now I'm grateful for that because it's been able to protect me. It's been able to make me resilient and strong, but there's also this big part of me that like wishes I could tap into my emotions more like you do. Like I wish I had that part of you that you have and I'm sure you wish there were moments where maybe you were able to feel a bit less and protect yourself a bit more so we always want what we can't have but I mean as long as we own it I'm literally working with my therapist on like trying to tap into my emotion and figure out what I'm feeling when I'm feeling it and you would probably work on your therapist with the opposite thing right like Mm -hmm. figuring out how to not suppress your emotions but to um control control them and express them in maybe a more healthy way or whatever it is um but I do think that this is a uniquely like female thing, like figuring out our emotions does feel uniquely female. A lot of straight men, obviously in society are told they're not allowed to have emotions or that they're not allowed to express them if they have them. Um, And so I was thinking about this stereotype and I was wondering like, if most of this is like the fact that women feel emotions deeply, then are men, are straight men, the reason why straight relationships don't move as fast or, or sometimes like feel like they're taking so long to get to commitment. That's and so interesting. It's hard for me to answer that because as a woman who doesn't feel emotions deeply, I, I can't really relate to that. There have definitely been times where I've felt emotions for a guy and he's just like not reciprocating. And I feel like, okay, this is all you and you're annoying me and you got to go. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is true, that it is straight, straight man's fault, but I wonder if that, if society's suppression of male emotions is part of the reason why straight relationships just move slower. Yeah, because they feel like they shouldn't open up right away or they need to like, yeah, take their time and don't express too soon. Or even when they have, oh my God, this this is probably so old, but when you go on a date with someone for the first time and then there's that like three-day rule where you don't text the person after three days. Oh my God, yeah. I'd be free. Like, listen, me now, if I go on a date with a woman, if she doesn't text me for three days, I'm panicking. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think I would be too. I, I I feel like maybe the, I don't know. I've been out of the dating game for a bit. So let, let me know, y'all, is uh, the three-day rule outdated? Because I don't know, especially with COVID now, like I don't know what's going on. But um, I think it's so dated. I can't picture, I don't think I've ever done the three-day rule. Normally, if I go on a date with someone, <laughs> I text them when I get home. Like An hour you- later. <laughs> I was just going to say, when you get home, you'd be like, had a great night. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like when Which would I, I would do too. I would do too, that too. Yeah, I would never be like, I'm not going to message you for three days. I'd be like, they ghosted me. Great. Thank you. But also, I think there's a difference between pursuing and expressing emotion, right? Like, I don't think straight men have a problem with like texting and pursuing the pursuing to see, see a straight girl again 
it's more like turning the dating period into like more or, you know, expressing that you have feelings for someone is is a lot harder for straight men because they're told not to do that when they're growing up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not your fault, guys. It's not your fault. It's just how you grew up. Yeah. And it's silly. Oh, to say the least. <laughs> I know. It's saying it's silly. is very, That's my take. It's silly. It's so silly. <laughs> okay. Purse, what's another difference between queer relationships and straight relationships? Well, I actually never really thought about this until you sent an article to me. Um, but what we're talking about gender roles in relationships, you know, queer versus straight. I never thought, I never thought of that actually, you know, if I'm with a woman, I'm not thinking of, I'm not thinking of the gender role. Maybe society is, but I'm not thinking about it. But for you, are you thinking about the gender roles in your hetero, hetero relationship? Like currently? Well, yeah, I think the reason why why we both might not have thought of this difference is because it feels very outdated, obviously. But when you're talking about a straight relationship, you're talking about a relationship between a, someone who identifies as a woman and someone who identifies as a man and both straight. So there's an undeniable gender aspect that comes into play in that. It's undeniable. There's a woman and there's a man. And because of because in society, women and men are so different, there's roles that come in and I don't experience that, but I think there are aspects of it that sometimes seep in that you notice where you're like, oh, interesting. Like, I don't know, like in this, art, so I found this article that it was actually like an academic paper that was talking about this gender role um, difference in queer relationships versus straight. And it was talking about how in a queer relationship, there's not so much, you're not thinking about who should be the breadwinner, who should be the fixer upper or the handyman or the handy woman or who should be the cleaner, who should be the cook, um, or who should be taking care of the kids. Because a lot of those things are tied to gender in, in traditional society. Um, and they, that's just the reality, and they have been for, for a long, long time. Um, but when you're a woman dating a woman, that doesn't exist because you're not, you're not wondering who's going to be who because of their gender. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. So like in a straight relationship, I feel like it does it does come in sometimes. And um, for me, for me, it, it, it doesn't come in. It, it's not it's not like he's the man, I'm the woman. But there are moments where it's like, for example, the other day, me and my boyfriend, we were trying to move a barbecue up our stairs. We, had, we got this barbecue. We we're moving it up the stairs. And I'm a strong girl. OK, Sarah's like to, really strong. I like to say I'm strong. I don't know if it's true, but I feel strong. And so we were carrying this really heavy barbecue up and our neighbor who is an, an older-ish man came out and started getting upset with saying why would you make her help you pick up this heavy barbecue let me help you mm. and <clears throat> listen this is just like a very simple example that literally happened like the other day which is why I remembered it but I, I notice little moments like that that come in when me and my boyfriend are together just in relation to how he's bigger than me physically or so he needs to be the one who's lifting heavy things in the house or you know fixing the 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 thing that's broken I don't know like that's a very physical example but when you're in a relationship with someone you live with them like a lot of these gender roles just come in and they're perpetuated on you and 
yeah, I just feel like it doesn't happen in queer relationships because the same gender. But you know what? You know what can sometimes come up with queer relationships though is if I'm I'm picturing it as a two lesbians dating or two women who are queer women dating. Um, if one woman identifies as more androgynous and the other one is more femme, sometimes society can put gender roles on mm. those women to automatically think, oh, the androgynous woman is definitely the one who like wears, wears the, pants. the pants. Oh, that's such a good point, Purse. Yeah. Well, I think something that I was going to mention at the end of this, but might we might as well mention now, is we're talking about the differences between, between queer and straight relationships. But at the end of the day, there, I feel like there's more similarities than there are differences. And that's something that like we, we kind of want to celebrate both. We want to celebrate the fact that they are different. We're not going to pretend that queer relationships, straight relationships are the exact same. Um, because we should celebrate the fact that that they're they're different in their own ways and beautiful in their own ways. But there are so many. At the end of the day, they're relationships. They're romantic yeah. relationships between two human beings. And so I just wanted to acknowledge that. I feel like now is a great time because this whole gender roles thing, um, I was only thinking of it in a straight context. And, and it totally plays into queer relationships. And I think for gay men as well. And anyone who's non-binary, even more so probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And also this is something that I was thinking of too, is when the, this is like fast forwarding, like God, how many years, like, I mean, and maybe our lives, but proposing. Right. Yeah. Like the guy has to propose to the girl. Right. Good call. Like, but if I'm in a situation where maybe I find I'm with a woman and I want to propose to her, like, it doesn't matter. Like one of us can propose it doesn't matter, but it's like, it, that kind of also goes into the gender role where sometimes it's like, okay, then maybe the more dominant person would naturally propose, right? Because right. the, the, the submissive wants to be the one to like be doted on when Thank it's like, you. it doesn't matter. Thank you for reminding me of this. This was something I wanted to bring up for this particular topic is in, within generals is power dynamics because I think they exist in every relationship, whether it's queer or straight. But I think especially for, for straight men and women, there's an automatic power dynamic. Automatically, the, the man has to be masculine, powerful, dominating, and the woman has to be submissive. Obviously, these are old stereotypes. We're not saying this is real, but this is just kind of what we're taught growing up, literally from like Disney movies. So, and from like songs and movies and TV shows. So even like you were saying, if a woman and a woman are together and the one wants to, one of them wants to propose, you expect the more dominant one or the more powerful one to do it, which is a masculine energy, right? It's a masculine energy is what, is what that's saying. Where it doesn't have to be that way, right? Like, I'll be honest, I'm someone who would want to propose, 100%. 100%. I can't wait for you to propose. <laughs> no, for real. I, I think um, wherever I end up in my life with whoever, and if we're going to get married, like I think I would make that pretty clear that I don't really care about being proposed to. Like I'm such a doer where I think I would want to plan it. I would want to be like, I'm going to surprise her in this way. Like I'm, <laughs> Sarah's already getting giddy being like, I'm so excited. I don't know. That just makes me so excited. I can't can't even put it into words. But you know what? What's interesting is someone might view me as Persis would probably be the one who wants to be proposed to only because of the way I 
maybe present myself in terms of my femininity, maybe how I can be a sub, but I can also be a dom because I'm a very much like a, like I, we've talked about it. Like, I know who I like, I know who I want. I'm not afraid to sometimes express that, but I think like maybe someone would expect that from me, but I'm like, no, I want to propose whoever I'm going to get hitched up with hitched up. What's the word? I think it's hitched. Hitched to, if I ever do, like I would want to propose. Yeah, I'm really excited for you to propose to me. And also, I think that's a really great point you brought up just in terms of like people might not expect it from you because you might seem submissive. But in reality, you are totally the one who would propose. And actually, thinking about my own relationship, I don't have any plans to get married at all. But I could see myself proposing. Not that I'm – and that's not because I'm more dominant and it's not because – I have the pe- the pants in the relationship or anything like that. It's just that um, I'm a doer. I think that's a great way to put it. And I think I would have more fun planning. Like I would have I would have fun planning it. Whatever. Like all reasons that have nothing to do with gender or power dynamics at all. And I like that. I think shouldn't it be up to like who wants to do it? Like it doesn't matter. You and your hetero relationship. What if you wanted to propose because you're like it's equal. I can I can propose to this man who I maybe want to marry. And you hear stories of women who have proposed to men and it's always like, oh my God, she did? Like that's like that's so that's so badass. And it's like, okay, because <laughs> I'll relax. Well, no fun fact. Yes, I always do. Pop culture fun fact. Mm-hmm. So Britney Spears proposed to Kevin Federline. I didn't know that. But obviously I feel sad for her because Kevin Federline is um the worst. But yeah. she she her and years ago were on ellen her and kevin like in 2004 (laughs) okay and she was pregnant with their baby or whatever and ellen was like oh and you guys um you guys like just got married like they were showing like the wedding album and britney was like oh fun fact like i actually proposed to him like i was like i want to marry you i like you we're doing it I and, like you. And then Kevin, or yeah, whatever. I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> She's just paraphrasing. Do you want to tell me what you said there? Okay. You're making me really jealous. Um, but then Kevin was like, yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. You're not supposed to propose. Like, I'm supposed to propose. That's not the right way to do it. And Brittany was like, I don't care. And Ellen was kind of like, yeah. <laughs> and then it ended up, it ended up turning to shit. But regardless. Well, think- yeah. I like that. I like that type of mentality to be like, I don't know, why do I have to wait for a man? Or in a situation with me, why would I maybe have to wait for a woman who maybe would be more the dom? The dom. Yeah. I'm doing this thing with my arms. Yeah, she looks really dominant. She looks kind of scary. Thank you for bringing that up. I think that is a really great point. And let's just break down the gender roles, y'all. I mean, gender is a very complex topic that we dive into a lot and we'll continue to dive into. But I think especially when I'm thinking about um, straight relationships in particular, I think it's something that I think about a lot. And I would love to see it even more dissolved and even more fluid because I think it still exists in little ways um, that kind of sneak in when you least expect it. Um, and proposal is like the perfect example like so many people think about the proposal the day they're gonna get engaged and it's like he's gonna sit he's gonna like lean down on one knee and he's gonna buy this expensive ring and oh my god I anyone who is is I'm not even gonna go into it I'm not even gonna go into marriage that's a whole other that could be another episode. episode 
Um, but anyway, Sarah and I have been there, done that. <laughs> we've been there. We've been divorced. Like it's been traumatic, and I just don't want to talk about marriage any more than we've already talked about it. Okay. 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 So another difference between queer and straight relationships that I actually just thought about today, and I was like, hmm, interesting, is shared experiences. And I, I was reminded of this because of many, many a times when persons would go on a date with a girl and come home and tell me all about it and talk and tell me like what they talked about. And every time you have gone on a first date with a girl, you've talked about either your coming out experiences or maybe the first time you realized you were into women or whatever, something to do with the fact that you're both queer. And I feel like that when people, when queer people get together, they automatically have this shared experience of being queer that they can relate on. And it's, it's right away, whether they have a romantic connection or not, maybe there's no sparks, whatever, they still have this thing that they can relate on and that they can talk about right off the bat. And I would imagine that that would continue throughout the relationship, that being queer and being in a queer relationship is this thing that they have that's theirs and that they that is very unique to them. Of course, it's not unique to them in reality because... There's millions of queer people all over the world, but it is something that like they can relate on. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Um, To back you up with that, yeah, I think no matter what, just based on how um, queer people are kind of like the minorities in, in the world, you know, we have to discover this part of ourselves because we weren't grown up thinking you can love whoever you love. We've just done, I maybe hopefully we'll get to that point eventually where you're just born into the world and you will never have to come out again (laughs) but oh I like that yeah yeah I really actually hope that happens eventually where you're born and you're not expected to be with a man or be with a woman if you're a girl or a boy it's like just or I mean like a hetero relationship just be just be who you want and go with what you feel I hope that happens but I think that's why every time I've gone on a date with a girl so when did you know you were gay or what was your sexual awakening? When, who was your first crush? Like, of course that comes up. How would it not? Yeah, it's, and, and you, can, you can joke about it and laugh about it. And it can be like a fun, it can be a fun way to figure out if you're compatible just because you're talking naturally um, and have something to talk about. It's almost like a great icebreaker or something. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I feel like we're talking about it in the context of a first date, but I really feel like it would be this um, continued, like you said, as as minorities, it's something that you share and that you're constantly a part of this narrative of queer rights, queer pride, no matter what, whether you're actively engaging in it or not. So there's just like something that you're representing as a queer couple. And I think a lot of queer people um, don't don't like that. Like I hear a lot of, I hear this with um, people who are black or people who are queer where they're like, I didn't choose to be like a martyr for this movement, yeah. for example. And I complete, I could not agree more. Like I, I cannot understand what that's like. And I would feel the exact same way if I was in that position. But I guess what I'm saying more so is like, you're standing together in something and you're, you're, you're a partnership and it's more than just, it's more than just, I love you, you, you love me. There is this aspect of like, 
where in a, the queer community, we mm-hmm. identify as queer. It's like this whole other level of connectedness. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's how I see it as someone who identifies as straight. Um, and I don't know if you relate to that, but it seems like it would be something really powerful and um, something that I have never been able to experience in like a first date with a man. Um, sure, we can talk about like past relationships, but it's not this level of connectedness, this level of shared experience that we can have. Yes, I agree with that. And I actually just thought about like, maybe that's why sometimes queer people can stay friends. Maybe that's kind of also where that, um, mm. that tie can come into like, yeah. we're just, we still have that connection that maybe we've gone through some like, not everyone goes through hardships. I'm not saying that, but like we kind of maybe have that like thing where that still draws us in. Like even if it's not going to work out romantically, I still want to like talk to you. I've literally had that before yeah. with like even people who I didn't date, but I've had people who I've had a crush on 100%. Um, and it didn't, it didn't like work out, but I'm friends with them and like the feelings are gone. I'm not like still crushing on them, but I always feel that sense of like, we have this connection. Or it's someone I can talk to and relate to and we can like talk about queer stuff and like, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Purse, you're making so many good points today. <laughs> Proposing. You're going to propose Connections. to me. Yeah. You're going to stay friends with me. Even yeah. though we're divorced. <laughs> I can't wait to propose to you. I'm going to go extravaganza. Yeah, I want ex- I want an extravaganza. Anyway, Purse, the last difference that we wanted to talk about um, between queer relationships and straight relationships is actually another mailbag. 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 We should have like a mailbag jingle or something. That'll be it. Mailbag. Mailbag. (laughs) We received an email from a lovely listener who is going to stay anonymous. And they shared their story with us. They were actually inspired by the fact that Catherine had shared her story on last week's episode. And they wanted to, they really felt compelled to share theirs. And also they thought it might be a cool topic to talk about on the episode. Little did they know, we actually were talking about this exact thing tonight on this episode. So it worked out perfectly. And I am going to read out this listener's story to you. Okay, so... This is what our listener had to say, and this is her personal anecdote. There's one thing I struggle with as a queer person, currently in a long-term committed relationship, and that's relationship milestones. When it comes to heterosexual relationships, it feels like marriage and kids are expected and celebrated milestones. I've been with my girlfriend for just over two years, and I know she's the one. My family has been extremely supportive of me being gay and my relationship with my girlfriend. I have a twin sister and an older sister who are both married to men and have kids. When they were dating their now husbands, I remember my family always asking them, when are you getting married? And then once the weddings happened, asking them, um, when are you going to have kids? When it comes to me, I'm not having that same experience. Funny thing is, I find it to be a blessing in some ways because there's nothing more annoying than having family consistently asking you what you're doing with your life and your relationship. So true. At the same time, I feel unseen. I always think to myself, do they assume I'm not getting married because I'm gay? Or do they assume I'm not having kids because I'm gay? I just don't have the same pressure from family and I guess society 
two in terms of relationship milestones compared to my straight sisters. Now my girlfriend and I have not had any specific conversations about these two big milestones. Not that we aren't ready to have them, it's just we haven't truly sat down and talked about our long-term life together. Honestly, our relationship is very complex, and I'm not just saying that to say it, but we both love each other and we see each other as soulmates. Um, so she also sent another email just to kind of reiterate. Um, so I just wanted to read that as well. Um, also, I want to note that it's not that I've never been asked by family if I'm going to get married or have kids. It just feels like it's not as emphasized or even pressured as it was with my sisters and other straight family members. When my sisters say they're done having kids, my parents don't turn to me and be like, well, when are you going to have start, gonna ha start having kids? Um, they just kind of leave it at that. I also rarely get asked if I think my girlfriend is the one or if we plan on getting married. Typical questions straight people seem to always be asked. So true. Straight people are always asked these things. I know my parents and family would be supportive of all, but I'm always wondering, why do I not get treated the same way? Why does it feel like the pressures and expectations are not the same because I'm gay? So that was that is her story thank you so much for sharing your story with us um we're so grateful that you did and i think that everything that this listener told us about is such a great example of how queer relationships can be different from straight relationships these external pressures on milestones straight straight i feel like straight people as soon as you get into a relationship you're everyone's like okay when's he popping the question same same thing we just talked about. Okay, and then as soon as the marriage is going down, like, okay, when, when are you popping out the first kid? And it's just like constant. And I see it happen all the time with my family um, and, in other, and in other straight relationships. And I've even done it before. I've, I've totally looked at a friend in a relationship, queer or straight, to be honest, and been like, okay, when are you getting married? Okay, like, when's the wedding? Almost as a joke because I don't actually care. But I think straight people experience that a lot. And I think our listener's story is really interesting because she, I love that she said this. She, she, saw, she saw the good in it because she was like, I don't have to worry about getting and like my family annoyingly asking me about my life all the time. But I, I really like the point she made about how she feels unseen. And she wonders, why am I not getting those same questions in the same way? as my straight stress and my straight sisters did as much as it could be nice because i could relate to that i would probably get annoyed if someone was always asking me about milestones but then maybe i'd be like is my relationship being taken seriously exactly and i actually when i was when i was reading this story and thinking about this idea i was thinking about how you have talked about this many times queer people often their sexuality is labeled as a phase or an experiment, especially for queer women or women who identify as bisexual. And so, so a lot of times queer relationships cannot be taken seriously from the external world. But straight relationships are almost the complete opposite of the spectrum. They can be viewed as so serious and so much pressure can be put on them for these certain milestones. And to me, it almost feels like there's really two opposite sides of the spectrum um, when it comes to like, yeah, external pressures for these milestones. And I wonder if it stems from this whole like, oh, that's just a phase. They're not going to get married because it's a phase. Also, gay marriage is, is not legal all over the world. So that's a, that's a whole other part of this conversation. I think it all comes down to like, 
you're right. That's just not, that's still just not the norm. And that's not what we've grown up to like know what the norm is. So anything that presents itself as slightly different is either, yeah, it's a phase. It's just something you're going through right now in the moment, but then maybe you'll, you'll meet a man or you'll meet, if it's a gay man, you'll, you'll find a girl eventually who will, you know, you'll commit to, or for a woman who's dating a woman, you'll find a man who you'll commit to. Or if it's not even like, if if there's no prejudice, it could still exactly like this person said, it's not being emphasized as much. And maybe because like, they're still getting used to that concept still to be like, I still accept you. But for some reason, maybe I don't view like marriage. I don't picture you guys as married or something. Yeah, I I was I've been really trying to figure that out too. Like I think there's a whole part of this topic people who are n- either homophobic or just not understanding of the queer experience and thinking that queer people can't get married or can't have kids. That that's a whole like that's a whole thing in and of itself. But I think the reason why this listener story is so interesting to me is that her her family is extremely supportive and they love her and her relationship with her girlfriend and it's a serious relationship they both see each other as soulmates they see each other as the one in that dynamic i think what do you think is it maybe like internalized homophobia and that's and like we've been talking about internalized racism a lot in the past year and i think that it's it's extremely similar in the way that internalized homophobia happens you sometimes don't even realize you have it Yeah, it's like a subconscious thought because clearly if her family is still being like they they like her and her girlfriend and they're they're not being um, um, homophobic towards them in any sense. I think it is that internalized homophobia that I think a lot of people still need to unlearn, which I even think my um, parents had to unlearn. Because now yeah, I can yeah. I can talk to them so openly. My mom, even I had a convo with her of her even talking to me about how excited she's gonna eventually be like if I get married because she she sees like a wedding for me. But mm-hmm. it's very it's very cute for her to say like, yeah, like you and your your wife or you you know she's saying those words or my dad is saying those words. Um, but I definitely think that was a process and I think we needed to learn together. So that could also be a similar situation where they're not intentionally meaning to do it. But I think, you know, we're, we're, we're taught so many things as we're growing, growing up. And then maybe her parents' generation as well, that it just takes that extra step to be like, you, you, you're, you know, you're accepting of it, but you have to almost like get used to it, that it's just a part of your nature now. You don't even think about it. It's not even like a thought to be like, oh, wait, but she could be with a woman. It's like, no, it's the same thing. She can get married to a woman. She can get That's married. That's a really good point. I think there, I think there is a, there's a difference between being supportive and accepting and passing that threshold, crossing the line of fully, fully accepting and fully seeing it as just as a relationship, not a queer relationship, but a relationship that could go anywhere that it wants to go, including kids. I also think that, I don't want to say I feel bad for our parents' generation. That's not the right phrasing. But I definitely have a little bit of empathy for them um, because of exactly what you just said. They grew up in a different world from us. They, like, I've talked to my parents, especially since starting the podcast, I've talked to them about queerness and their, their exposure to queerness growing up and their thoughts on queerness and they're they're they know nothing really like they're learning and they're like I don't know um 
And I think that there is a lot of pressure on our parents' generation to just quickly snap into it and like um, just understand automatically and how dare you not understand and, and be completely and utterly understanding of what's happening. How many times have I said understand? <laughs> I don't understand. Don't understand. I don't what's that? understand, bitch. Don't understand. Did you just write that song now? No, no. It's like a TikTok. It's from some reality show. I, I wish I could give it credit. I don't know what it's from. <laughs> okay, well, wherever you're from, thank you for that. Anyway, yes, they don't Okay, what I'm trying to say is that listen, they grew up in a different world. They're trying to they're trying to catch up. Not all of them are. I'm not giving them all a free pass, but I think that like um it's hard it's hard. They really have to like adjust and um for parents whose child is queer, they have to they really do have to adjust to that and your parents did too. And that's not a bad thing. I think that it can so you can so easily point a finger and be like, how dare you not accept this? And it's not about acceptance. It's about opening. Things are opening. And that can be uncomfortable, especially if you've lived your whole life in a world that was closed. So as much as we're saying that this listener's family may have internalized homophobia, which is what, what I personally feel is happening in scenarios like this, which is not a bad thing. It's just something that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. I feel that there's also a, a layer of grace that needs to happen. I really love that point you made. They are supportive and accepting and loving, but there's another layer that needs to happen clearly of total normalcy. Normalcy. Because I think I think what I was trying to say too is, yeah, you can be accepting. I can be the most accepting person in the world, but I still have these um, like societal norms in my head that I need to unlearn because totally that's so normal and I think we've been lucky that I've never really had that maybe a little I definitely experienced internalized homophobia but luckily like in my teens and it was out very very quickly but for my parents who have grown up you know a certain way and the world was like the way it was for so long yeah they they're very very good people and they'll never be homophobic people but for sure they maybe experienced like oh is this the is this the norm like i've even gotten to some other discussions with them about certain types of relationships where my mom is even trying to learn about those and she's like oh well i don't know how i feel and i'm like that's okay you don't have to you don't have to fe- you don't have to agree with it but i think this is just like it's all about opening yourself up to mm-hmm. what people want and like how people are it's just like it's fascinating man i just can't wait for everyone to just be like we're all good Honestly. It's so fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating enough that we just are able to talk about it for hours on end on this podcast. And I think the the last thing that I'll say about about this listener's story and this core difference between straight and queer relationships is that I think communication is key. So, I mean, I'm not this this listener isn't asking for advice and I'm not giving advice, but I think if you're in a scenario like this where you are feeling unseen, it's scary, but it's also okay to talk about it. It's okay to maybe mention it. You know, I'm just curious like why haven't you guys asked about if I'm going to marry my girlfriend when you would ask my sister if she was going to marry her husband? Like it's something that can be asked in a lighthearted way or maybe just conversationally. I think a lot of times when people are internally homophobic, they need the question to be raised to to recognize their own homophobia. Because because her parents might be just going through life thinking like, 
I love my queer daughter and I am so not homophobic and I have no prejudices and just feeling like there's nothing, there's no, there's nothing going on. And meanwhile, there is something going on and, and maybe all that needs to happen is for the question to be raised, for them to, I know that's happened to me many times where a question has been raised to me and I've just recognized an internal something where I'm like, wow, mind blown. I didn't realize I was feeling that way. I didn't realize that I was making you feel that way. I just pointed at you really aggressively, but um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just think communication can be really helpful in these situations. Like we talk about all this time, all the time on this pod, straight people and queer people can talk about the experience being queer openly, very openly. And it does not have to be weird. It does not have to be awkward. It can just be um, completely normalized and it can be really healthy, especially when we're talking about family relationships because those can get complex and tricky and it's just it's just easier if things are out in the open sometimes. It, it has been for you, I've noticed. The more open you are with your family, the better things are. The Oh my God, we are way too open. Sometimes I even <laughs> like, oh my God, I was chatting with my mom and I'm like, mom, I'm like, you're lucky I even tell you some of this stuff. And she was like, oh no. She's like, Persis, I love that you tell it to me. I'm just learning. And it, it made me laugh because I'd rather be open than, with her than not. But um, totally. sometimes I check myself where I'm like, should, should I be? be her? Yeah, yeah. But it's all, it's not nothing crazy. It's just certain things where I'm just surprised that I'm like, oh, my mom and I are fully having an open conversation about this. But and I'd rather I that because if- I think she likes that. Totally. Also, question for you. Do you think you'd be this open with your mom talking about things if you weren't, if you were straight? Um, mm. Because I you think know the fact that you had to come out and that you had to like talk about your sexuality and like that whole experience, just sexuality is now on the table as a topic automatically. Maybe not because I could be wrong, but I know Marsh always comes at me because she says like, my parents know like everything about me, like all the, all, <laughs> all the ins and outs, all the details, all the good and the bad, but they like, they love me for it. It's never like it's bad, but Marsh, I think had a bit of a different relationship with them and like her experiences where she's like, for my sister, for anyone who doesn't know her, which they, they wouldn't. So shout out Marsh, straight woman. Marsh. Um, straight she, woman. She, One of the best. One of a kind, one of the best. Yeah, like I think it was different because I think like maybe I, I also have a different, rela- we all have different relationships. Like I have a different relationship with my parents than she does. They're totally separate. But I think um, maybe if I wasn't queer, I wouldn't be so open because I think like there were so many things I had to tell them about or explain to them. And then like that would lead into like this person I was talking to and then seeing and then they would just find out more. And then now, now they're always like yeah. wanting to know everything. That's how I imagine it from from an outside perspective. I mean, yeah, like just topics are on the table that wouldn't have otherwise been because you you had to come out. Yeah, yeah. I didn't never never thought of it like that. Purse, like we said, queer relationships they're different from straight relationships, but you know what? They're also a little bit the same. Cause we're one and the same. We're anything, anything ordinary. I wonder if the listeners like our random outbreaks or if every time it happens, they like just shudder a little bit with their headphones. They have to like take their headphones out. And, I definitely think and they take, take it take out. Take a breath, you know? I think, um, yeah, it's been very on brand for us to shout out something. Yeah, but that is our brand. That has been our brand since day one. So we're authentic at the very least. Yep, the very, very minimum. 
Thank you so much to our listener who, just as a reminder, is staying anonymous. That's why we're not saying her name. For your story, thank you for being vulnerable and for taking the time to reach out to us. We've said this like 10,000 times already now, but we just love when you guys reach out to us. So keep doing it. Um, Keep being inspired by each other's stories. That's one of our main goals with this whole project. And if anyone else has a story they want to share, holler at us because your girls will share it. We have, we will share it. I mean, happily, we'll happily read, read it. If you want to want us to read it, we'll play your audio note. We will sing it. If you want us to sing. Oh, and you guys can make requests too. You can be like, I want Persis to read this, or I want Sarah to read this, or I don't want either of you to read this. And I want it to speak for itself. Yeah, exactly. It's your story. Have it told the way you want. Yeah. Cause like, maybe I can't tell your story in the tone you want it to. And maybe Sarah can't tell it in the tone. It's all about tone. Sarah Persis What did we just What did we just do? We should tell everyone what we just experienced together. We decided for this in case you missed it, we were going to watch the Elliot Page and Oprah interview together over Zoom and then do a live reaction to talk about it and yes. we have a lot of <laughs> we have a lot of emotions right now so many emotions so as we were watching on zoom i was just laughing because sarah didn't realize i was like sending her messages in the chat and i literally go in capital letters i love oprah sarah i have a crush on oprah <laughs> like who is she <laughs> there is some, i mean i've always felt this way about oprah but there's just something to me it's much more of like a motherly like comforting like, I just want to, I just want to rest my head in, in her like bosom. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to cut snuggle up in her boobs and just be like caressed. Does that make sense? Of course. I want Oprah to love me. And, and exactly kind of like how we were saying, this was like the perfect interview for Elliot to do as his first interview as a trans man on TV with none yeah. other than Oprah. Yeah. Like, couldn't have done it better. And I like that Oprah owned... Right off the bat, she was like, listen, I educated myself for this interview and I learned a lot that I didn't know before. I like that she called out Disclosure, which we've talked about before on the pod, which is an amazing documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's available on Netflix, so you should watch it tonight. She spoke to, is he the president of GLAAD? Yeah, the president of GLAAD. I think it was the president. Yeah, so she um, she talked to him, and he's also transgendered, so he was able to give her, like, a very first-person account of what she needs to know about the trans community. So I liked that. She owned it. She was like, listen, I had to learn a lot, and thank God I did. And then, right off the bat, Elliot being like, I just want to make it very clear I'm only speaking for myself, and every trans experience is different. Yeah, we were squealing. I got really teary. Um, Me too. You know what? I think just because I read the Time article – and that's one thing. And I was moved just alone by the time article, but then to actually yeah. see Elliot's emotions and exactly what he was going through. Cause I was reading how he was really uncomfortable being fitted into female clothing, for example. Right. And it's one thing when you see the words, but then when you hear right. him talking about it and how he felt, how he was at the Oscars and how he couldn't even look at a photo of himself, that really hit me. That, that particular scene, I was just like, you know, Oprah put it really well. And I think a lot of us maybe need to be reminded of this is that we don't know what's going on deep down, what they're going on or what's going on in their life, right? Like we can look at that at that time 
you know, look at Elliot and think he has all the success. Like, look how great his life is. He's, he's he's on the Oscars red carpet. Like, yeah, that's the pinnacle. Then literally look what we just found out how these were the most painful moments of his life. Yeah. And he was having panic attacks and collapsing. He said he collapsed multiple, multiple times in his life. He's collapsed from panic, from panic attacks and mental health and overexertion. People who don't understand the trans community or don't support it. I guess the one thing that, that might help them to understand more is the true real pain. And you can talk about mental pain. You can talk about emotional pain, right? But then Elliot was describing the physical collapsing, the physical discomfort, not being able to sit correctly. Mm -hmm. I was actually thinking about, imagine being uncomfortable in your body for like, for like 30 years. Imagine, I was thinking about my spine. I don't know if this makes sense, but imagine how kind of like, how sore you would be from like not being able to sit up straight or you, you know what I'm saying? Like not being able to sit in a way that's comfortable for your body. And I was just thinking about that as he was describing his discomfort in like the real physical pain that trans people have to go through. Um, and then of course the violence, which comes a, a lot of times with the physical aspect to it. And I just, I just think it was really hard to hear and it was obviously hard for him to talk about it. He was crying, but I think that's what needs to be heard, right? That's what, that's what people need to hear to just cross that border a little bit into understanding. For anyone who doesn't understand for any reason, if there's things you still need to wrap your head around, like I really, really do highly suggest watching this interview. Me too, because I think that, I think it's okay to not understand. And so Oprah and um, Elliot were talking about how apparently the stat is 80% of people in America don't know someone or have a direct relationship with someone who's trans. It's a high so, percentage. Yeah, it's crazy. And and also, I, it must be the same in Canada. I like how that stat wasn't necessarily a shame on you kind of thing. Elliot wasn't like, shame on you for not understanding or, you know, 80% of you not knowing. It was more like, of course people don't understand. 80% of people don't even know someone that or think they know someone who's trans. So how are they going to really, really understand? And it's through interviews like this one that people can start to. But I think it's, I think I liked that Elliot said that. I liked that he was like, I get it. I get why you don't understand. There's a difference between not understanding and then like trying to pass legislation to basically harm trans kids, which they go into a lot in the, in the interview. And I was like, just getting so, I was just getting like angry. Yeah, me too. I get that portion gets very, very heavy. And mm -hmm. I was, yeah, I could see your face. Both of us were just like. It's so hard not to like scream and yell about this stuff mm -hmm. and seeing Elliot and seeing his pain and seeing him like he's clearly, we were saying this when it first started, like clearly excited and so nervous and so scared at the same time. And seeing that human right there, you know, and then, and then having hate, it's just like, I wish I could. I wish I could understand where that hate's coming from so that we could stop it. I know. I know. I wish I could too, but like, I don't know. I think a lot of it is just people are just, we've talked about this before on our phobias episode, but I think they're just afraid of anything that seems not the norm. 
air quotes, and they react to that by getting judgmental and defensive because that doesn't fit into their world. Yeah. I don't understand it. And I'm not, like I said, that's definitely not an answer to be like, that's where hate's coming from. Cause I, I don't get well, it. No, maybe I, I actually think it's helpful to try and understand where the hate's coming from. Cause if we're just saying stop hating, that's bad, then it's not going to fix the problem because the people hating are going to keep hating. It's going to fuel their fire. Right. It kind of makes me think though, you know, when people, this is probably not a good analogy. Like, I don't think it compares really, but I think, you know, when sometimes people hate on others because they're like insecure about themselves because of someone owning themselves, maybe. I think it makes people uncomfortable when someone is so confidently themselves enough to say, enough to say that I identify as a gender different from what I was born as. Yeah. So maybe I'm like, that's, that's where I think a lot of hate comes from. Because if we're, if we're not even going to completely relate it to the transgender community. I feel like just hate in general, a lot of it stems from like insecurity that we've talked about. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I think that can also tie into, tie into that because why else do we hate on others? You know? Um, yeah. It's because there's something in that person that we are lacking we in ourselves. ourselves. We see in ourselves, we see either the lack yeah. of it or we see it in ourselves, right? Agreed. It can be both. That was emotional. And also, at the end when he was crying tears of joy because Oprah was like, I love Oprah, man. She, she was like, tell me about the experience of being you now. <laughs> like, so the perfect, perfect level of drama. It was amazing. Yes, yes. And just Elliot being like, I loved what he said about it's the, it's the small things. It's coming out of the shower with a towel around my waist, looking in the mirror and just saying, that's me. There I am, finally, three decades into this life. And I finally, and when, and when he was like, I can feel my chest and it feels like my chest finally. I'm trying to imagine a world where anyone would watch that interview and still feel hate towards trans people. I'm trying to imagine it, but we do know it's going to, it's going to be there. We know that's America for you. Yeah. I that's mean, America. Of course there's transphobia in Canada. Of course there's violence towards trans people in Canada, but it's just these, we're not seeing laws like this trying to be passed. Like there's something going wrong in the States. Sorry. There is something like in the water over there. Like you guys got to clean up the water. No, there's something. No, for sure, for sure. And it's very, very scary. Something something got put in the water and I want to know what it was. I mean, four years of Trump already says it enough, so. We both, me and Persis both, if anyone's watching, or sorry, listening and hasn't watched the interview yet, please do whatever you can to watch it. It's very important. And I think it could hopefully change some perspectives. I hope so. And Elliot, very well-spoken, very authentic and genuine and real, spoke right from the heart. There was no, there was no covering up, no, nothing held back. Like he, I'm very proud of him because that's not easy. A lot of the And he was in Toronto. About. Yeah. Shout out Toronto. He's yeah, a filming, and he's filming Umbrella Academy. He was also talking about Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia is where he got to like sit with himself for long enough to decide to finally come out as trans to the world. So thank you, Canada, is all I got to say. I think at the end of the day, yeah, what we got out of this interview is Canada's the best. 
we got that if you come to Canada, you can be yourself. So welcome. Our borders are open. They're not really open because like COVID, but they're also open. So come. Come over to my apartment. Oh, right to your apartment. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little yeah. forward. Oh, sorry. Thank you, Oprah. Thank you, Canada. Thank you, technology. And you know what? Most of all, thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you for bringing awareness to the trans community. It's needed. And you are amazing. And we, as Girl That's on right. Girl, we love you. We love you. And we support you in every way. Okay, P. Thanks for watching that with me. Oh my gosh, I love that we watched that together over Zoom. Hey, that was like a that was like a Zoom date. Like we we were gonna watch a movie together over Scener, but we never did. So we just watched Elliot and Oprah. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a cute little date night, babe. Yeah, let's do that for the next for the actually not for a podcast. Let's just do that for our own personal time. You know, guys, personal like personal time. Sarah and I need. I know we're we have very demanding schedules, and you guys are always like work, 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 but. Sarah and I got to have some alone time. Yeah, we need to make sure our relationship is being nourished. Yes, exactly. If you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Okay, it's been a long day, and I think Pris most of all needs some sleep. So we're going to sign off, but thank you guys for listening to this episode, and we can't wait for the next one. And please watch this Elliot Page and Oprah interview. Pretty, pretty, please. Pretty, pretty, please with the cherry on top. That's all we ask. That's all I ask, ever. Love you, P. I love you so much, S. Yes.